You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome to Under the Shield Presents Look at him Fight in right. Progress. <laughs> nice Should we redo job. that because you're talking? No, I think it's, no, that makes it even better. No, I lo- you got I, it right. I really think I only screwed that up once. I know, but it was a big time. It, it was. It will never let you forget. <laughs> Joel's going to throw his coffee cup right now. He's going to be like, Probably. what? He's like, I thought we went... Over. <laughs> it's all good, Joel. The audience loves the stuff. That's right. The banter, right? Yes. Good yes. morning, Susan. Well, I, it is morning for us right for now. For us, it is. We don't know when this thing will drop, but exactly. whatever. But Or when you'll listen to it. And I feel like we haven't done this like in 100 years. I know. I don't know why. Can't imagine there's not been anything going on. No, it's been... Yeah, quiet. Yeah, we were. <laughs> don't say the Q word. Yeah, really? What more is going to go on? We've had. Yeah, but dispatchers go into convulsions know, when know. you use that yeah. word. <laughs> Hold on. There. I fixed it. But no, we were only in San Diego for three days. And we training. didn't even get to see the beach. I know. Not once. Oh, know, didn't you see the ocean? We didn't see it at all. We didn't oh, go anywhere near no, it. Uh-uh. No. Yep. But we were over there honored Busy, to be training. Yeah. Border Patrol in San Diego at their headquarters for yeah. three days. and Didn't kick us out once. No. Didn't threaten to. <laughs> no guns were Not pulled. Not like when you were living in Alabama, well, right? Well, that's true. Right. Uh, no guns were pulled. Um, no we didn't even accidental almost. Go to the border. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> So I, I, I call but that we a did win. Learn, we did learn that it would not turn out good for us if we, we <laughs> went yeah, to the border. We, yeah, we did. <laughs> In other words, they ain't going to help. Yeah. Ain't nobody coming. <laughs> yeah, you're on your own. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was really heartwarming to feel the love from So them. there's nothing you can do for us? Uh, uh, nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> we could call somebody maybe, yeah. and I'm thinking, why do we teach you people? I, that, I only do this for connections. Yeah, there's got to be fringe benefits. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> In all my law enforcement cases, everybody in Alabama will tell you, you don't write Susan a ticket, you go back to training in a really not nice place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we got to go to Yuma. And we did. And then, spent a day boy, in Yuma. When we got pulled into Yuma at night, oh. and we opened the car door, I was like, oh, we're back in Arizona. Oh, <laughs> after being in San Diego, yes, yeah. it, it was not fun. Yeah. But we trained Border Patrol in right. Yuma on Friday. Had a good turnout. We did. All of them were, yeah. really. Yeah. All, yeah, all classes throughout the whole trip. Funniest part, though, was the ones in San Diego that when I told them I was going to teach them how to have more sex with their spouse, they started bringing the spouses <laughs> right. in at lunchtime. Yeah. They're like, what time does she need to be here? <laughs> And it's real easy. You just say, the only way we're going to teach this person <laughs> is if, if you bring your spouse. You know, we should start throwing them out. If your wife isn't here, you don't get to sit in the class. There you go. And then we were in the whopping metropolitan area of Cottonwood on Tuesday teaching. Yes. And that The was, weather was nice up there, too. It was. Well, it was better than here, yeah. although it's starting to turn. Yeah. But, so, yeah, we have an update for the audience. Oh, no. For everyone who <laughs> listened to planes, trains, and automobiles about my fun experience going to St. Augustine, Florida, <laughs> to officiate a wedding of a Phoenix police officer, like we couldn't have done it right here, like right. Sedona uh-huh. or someplace, but yeah. whatever. 
Um, yeah, Hertz has uh, tried to file a claim and gets my insurance, <laughs> saying the car was wrecked down the whole side. The car mm. that I didn't get to drive, but about eight hours that they left sitting in a parking garage for months, weeks, uh, a couple weeks, weeks, at yeah. least three weeks, because yeah. that was the eighth. And they still didn't know where it was, like around the 25th. Yeah, and you were back here, back in the office. They'd had their key since the 6 a.m. on the 10th. Mm -hmm. And USAA, as we're coming back from San Diego, I got an email going, we're sorry to hear of your wreck. We hope everyone is doing well. Uh, well, Tom I'm was like, driving. I, I didn't break that hard. <laughs> the ABS brake system did have to go off to keep us from hitting well, somebody. You but know. Not that he tailgates. been in my way. <laughs> oh, Thomas. <laughs> and, uh, well, so when I you're went, doing wow. 90 plus, it's just, you, you know, know cruising along. Somebody decides to stop. <laughs> and I go, we just got a claim on the insurance. I'm like, well, this this car's smarter than I, know. I thought like, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how's your did car you <laughs> So I called. No, I sent him an email and said, yeah. nah, no wreck here. Car's good. And they called me and went, oh, no, this is a Hertz claim. And I went, excuse me? And they said, yeah, it said that the front right fender was wrecked and the back one. And I went, oh, yeah, nice try, Hertz. Mm, Not yeah. going to happen. Well, it's a good thing you have a police officer witness. Several. Yeah. Several. That yeah. were in the vehicle when the car was parked. Right. And, um, yeah, you bet I'm going to write you a check for $1,000, yeah. Hertz, when I didn't even get to use the car. I didn't even get my money back because I don't want to fight with them. And that does include, for those listening, thrifty and dollar. I forgot to <laughs> yeah. bash the other two, but apparently they're all in the same parent company. Yeah, they're all in so can't recommend Hertz, Thrifty, or Dollar. Mm-hmm. Rent from Enterprise, rent from anybody else. Joe Smith's garage on the corner. <laughs> but don't rent from these mm-hmm. people. That's dirty. And I think that's right. illegal. Yeah. And then they date the, the claim as your last day yes. of your contract. July 10th. When they had no idea about the car. Didn't yeah. even know where it was. Yeah, that's that's just wrong. Uh, you know, I'd go to jail if I tried something like that. Right. But, Correct. Me too. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, just heed my warning here, people, because this is not, and it'll be a fight. Mesa PD will have to come arrest me before, <laughs> the, before they get a check for me for anything. They'll be waiting in line. <laughs> <laughs> what you trying to say, Becky? Exactly what are you trying to say, Becky? Uh, remember, I have your paycheck right here, as a matter of fact. I'm just um, saying, this, I think we this have. This can be held. Or stop payment up. <laughs> I'm saying I think we have an idea for the next fundraiser. <laughs> bail. To bail Susan out of jail? No. Who gets to arrest Susan? <laughs> you get to chase her yeah. down. No tasing allowed. <laughs> Thank you. She no doesn't spray. Well, tasing yeah. still better than pepper spray. <laughs> yeah. No spray. She's not interested in riding the lightning. <laughs> no, really not. <laughs> But you get to you get to arrest her and fuss and listen to her fuss and cuss and stuff her in the back seat. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> they'll let me awesome. out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you can take. They'll make it a block and come. You'll see them circle. You turn. Here they come back. Like, push please me leave. Out. Please leave. Yeah. It'll be it'll be like a quick photo op, a selfie with Susan, and then they're like, "I'd rather have a bobcat in the back That's seat." Right. <laughs> I don't know why y'all think I'm so bad. <laughs> She'd be oh. the rabid door through the mail slot. <laughs> <laughs> Like she's chewing up the freaking plexiglass. That's true. This could be fun. Yeah, that mm-hmm. might. You know, we might raise more money I on think that we than would. anything else we could ever yeah. do. Like at the softball game, I was like, we should put Tom in the dunk tank. 
Oh, well, I'm all oh. for that. Well, I think we need to be buy a raffle ticket to arrest Susan. There you go. Hey. I'm game. She gets a 10-minute head start. You get to go find her in wherever. You find her. And, you no, can tracking, yeah. and no tracking devices. No dogs. Yep. And no dogs. And no shot collars allowed. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Now, that might be something we need to look into. And for those of you listening, we are doing a the, the first annual Chris Ferrar softball tournament mm-hmm. here in Tempe, January 7th and 8th. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be law enforcement versus fire. and Mm -hmm. the bragging rights will come down to which first responder group wins and we'll have a trophy of some sort we've had several suggestions made but it'll be something (laughs) that's passed around kind of like the stanley cup Uh so you get bragging rights and we'll figure out how to put names on it and that kind of stuff at least team name something yeah Yeah. i got a sharpie <laughs> it'll be classy. It'll be, like, <laughs> it'll be yeah, it'll be classy. It's gonna be a red solo cup, okay? <laughs> On styrofoam and just oh yeah. Yeah. Right. You guys are welcome. Yes. <laughs> so if you are in Arizona, I mean we'd take them from other states. Right. If, if anybody wants to come from another yeah. state. Um, but it is open. Everybody in Arizona, um, Again, California, San Diego wants to come, Border Patrol. More power to you. Uh, you just got to have a minimum of 10, and uh, it's going to be a good time. We're going to have a awesome. lot of fun. Yeah, Teams are starting be, to sign up. They are starting yeah. to sign up. You go to the website, and there is a link directly, correct? Yep. Becky? On undertheshield.com, the first page at the very top, there's a little slideshow, but it's the very first slide. Uh, you just click on Registration. And it'll take you there. Or if you need the direct link to just go to the registration form, it's undertheshield.com slash UTS hyphen softball hyphen tournament. And it'll take you directly to the registration link. (laughs) (laughs) Becky is making obscene gestures at Tom right now. I don't know how you remember that. I'm I'm sorry, Dr. Wilson. I apologize for their childish behavior. It's okay. I've I've seen him and heard worse. We We're have not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> HIPAA, HIPAA. We have to have a button on there that screams HIPAA violation. Wah, wah, wah. Which one is that? I don't know. I think it's the I other top one. Is it? Nope. nope. That's the wrong one. Nope. There you go. There you go. We can add that in. But we have, I have to say, y'all don't get your feelings hurt, probably one of my favorite people on the <gasps> podcast today. I'll allow it. Yeah, because he's one of your favorite people too, Becky. I know he keeps, and he's one of Jacob's favorite people because he keeps you from killing Jacob. <laughs> Him and Jacob share the the duty of of handling the crazy adult it's, supervision. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Doctor Brady Wilson, we are honored to have you on here. Thank you. Yes, he's very glad to be here. Well, and in bragging on him, he truly is, and this isn't a joke. He is, as of now, the only licensed mental health person that we will refer people to anywhere in the country. Yeah. Haven't been able to find another Brady. We need to we need to figure out how to clone you. Exactly. You know, you and I ain't getting any younger, honey. They gotta figure out how to clone <laughs> both true. of us. This is true. And uh so my, my wife would actually appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Having another one or two of me around to do honeydews. Absolutely. <laughs> like that movie Multiplicity. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Can't yes. say I've ever seen that one. Probably not something I need to see. But it's anyway. pretty funny, actually. Yeah, I'm it's sure. An, it's an old movie. <laughs> yeah. So, Brady, we are honored to have you here. He Thank is you. 
this man has saved more law enforcement. I, do you work a lot with fire, too, or is it primarily law enforcement? Um, it's mostly law enforcement, but some fire. Okay, I thought I'd sent you a few. And uh, some military. Yes. And um, he has saved, I can I was going to say that. something, but it was, probably wasn't politically oh, correct. Oh, go you ahead. Know, that, well, About fire, the hose draggers? Yeah, those right? hose draggers are crazy, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are. They go into buildings where roaches are running uh, yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, not my cup of tea. I agree. Right. I'll get out here and run wide open with troopers and go out on firing ranges. and Running gun, a no running problem. Gun, yep. But I ain't going in a burning building. Not happening. Right. Not even going in their fake one with the smoke, <laughs> the smoke with out. your stuff like not happening. Right. Nope, don't have don't have what it takes there. I'd, yeah. I'd be ripping walls down by myself trying to get out of there. Now, <laughs> now there years years ago when I was uh, in, in school in Boston, uh, a house right next to where I was running when it got on fire. Oh, no. And I was out in front watching and watching these guys crawl through the windows oh. into a burning building. I thought. No. Yeah. Not for me. No. I'll, I'll stand out there and pray for everybody in there and, and whatever. But no, I'm not going in there. And no way. My hat's off to them. Uh, matter yeah. of fact, we're going to have I'm a— I'm being thankful for them. Yes. Firefighter here on the next uh, few weeks out. We'll have, That one will drop a few weeks from now. Yeah. Probably two weeks. Two but weeks in. Yeah, we'll— we, See, we let them come in every now and then. <laughs> we have to entertain them because we do have Well, fire. we did have one— one of those hose draggers that said, I'll be there. Oh, wait, I'm going to be gone. Yeah. Yeah. He's a stress coach, too. So we won't mention any names, but Kent Keller, you're in my sights, my friend. Uh, we are. He was too afraid to talk to you after I said, does Susan know that you're not going to make it? Yeah, he, he, won't even, he won't even respond to my text. But that's okay, Kent Keller, not that we're giving names. But, uh, yeah, you and I will have this conversation. So, Brady, tell us all about you, your background, and how you even wound up in psychology and all mm. that good stuff. Well, I was interested in psych uh, beginning in high school. Really? Yep. And uh, so when I got into college, I majored in psych in college. And, um, and then in 1970, moved from Indiana, where I grew up, mm -hmm. and went to Boston. And uh, entered graduate school, got my master's and my PhD from Boston University. Um, I first got interested in trauma. Mm -hmm. um, by doing some work at Veterans Hospital in South Boston. No, there's no trauma at the Veterans <laughs> Hospital. What were you thinking? In 1973-74, there yeah, was a lot. I bet. And we were working with uh, Vietnam guys. Yes. Yeah. And um, so that's where I got my first exposure to trauma and uh, individuals who expose themselves to, dra to trauma voluntarily. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, and the kind of things that happened. And so... Uh, after I finished my doctorate, came out here to Arizona, got planted, um, started a, a clinical practice, uh, just seeing people in general, but slowly, more and more, I began to see people with uh, stress and trauma-related problems. Mm -hmm. And so I've become pretty much a traumatologist uh, for the last 30 years, been working prim primarily with people with trauma-related, stress-related difficulties. <clears throat> and naturally, that led to me working with uh, retired military uh, and law enforcement how first did, responders. How was that first introduction to law enforcement? I know like AZ Cops uses you, um, right. which is one of our associations here that kind of covers a lot of the smaller agencies, you know, that right. don't have their own in-house and some others. But how did how did you really get introduced to law enforcement? Because that's not an easy population to get into. Well, no, most aren't really 
seeing me voluntarily. <laughs> um, and the, 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 first, okay. <laughs> the first incident actually was I was seeing a spouse of someone on law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And she insisted that her husband <laughs> see somebody because of what was happening at home. So when you say not voluntarily, we're not just talking agency requirement. No, no. We're talking spouse <laughs> requirement. We're not, we're not even talking agency. <laughs> uh, we're talking uh, more often than not spouses, mm-hmm. sometimes physicians. Sure. Uh, and sometimes friends who yep. have seen somebody. And so uh, that was my first, the first, uh, first cop I ever saw always referred by his wife. And um, and then he referred a friend, and they're special, know, aren't they? <laughs> they are. <laughs> and it's a good thing we love them that because was they are like special. Bless your heart. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Right, yeah. right. We'll get there. Oh, I'm We're not, not sure how we should take that. I, I got to teach Brady how to say that. <laughs> no, I've I've heard it in my it's, mind. It's all in the inflection. Yes, yes. <laughs> they don't like it when I text it to them, right? Because it can mean something pretty nasty. Yeah, but they can hear you going. Well, bless your heart. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. With the sarcasm oh, dripping yeah. out of my mouth. Right. And here's what's funny, and this is what's so different and so refreshing about Brady, because for some reason, and I, we've talked about this, and we really can't figure it out, we send a lot of people to Dr. Wilson. But the other major parts of the license world don't like me because I'm not licensed. I got a master's in counseling, but for some reason, because I didn't sit for that little test, and not paying those exorbitant fees, however right. often you have to renew it, that somehow I'm an idiot. Now, you can call me an idiot for other stuff, but not probably in this vein. Yeah. And you can call me a lot of other names. I've been called pretty much everything in the book, and, and I'm okay with it. I'm, Some of them are true. Yes. I'm not, I'm not overly <laughs> sensitive to these things. Everybody's entitled to an opinion. That's right. But it really, we could really, if we had, you know, more Brady Wilsons, we could be sending people a lot of different business and but that's not the way they they hmm. say i don't and Dr. know what Brady i'm talking could go about on vacation more yes often. absolutely <laughs> absolutely but yeah there's there's a psychologist at, uh, that works with phoenix that actually tells phoenix officers do not go to susan simmons wow and my comment to her was if somebody walks in my office and says that I've got PTSD and I heard standing on my head for 30 minutes will help me, I'm going to mm-hmm. go, got the timer going, let's go, put your feet up. <clears throat> right. I would never tell somebody not to do something, ever. Sure. Right. And, I, you know, to me, that that's kind of a ethics issue in my book and certainly not a good way to handle things because the sad, well, sad part for that person is the more she says that, the more they want to come to me. <laughs> it's kind of like when a chief tells people, don't go to Susan. Don't do this. They're my best PR. <laughs> you know, when, uh, when, when law enforcement first responders come to see me, sometimes they ask me, what can I do about this? Mm-hmm. And my answer is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, there's no one thing that's going to address what's going on with you. Right. You offer a service. Yes. That is very helpful. Yes. On both ends, in terms of prevention and in terms of taking care of things after after the fact. Sure. Um, diet, rest, exercise, see your physician, see a psychiatrist, see a psychologist. Do everything. Absolutely. If you need to do goat yoga, honey, let's Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Yeah. Becky will go with you. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and that, I think that's the frustrating part for me. We're not trying to remove anybody. 
We believe in this three-tiered approach, peer support, stress coaches, licensed mental health. And yet they want to eliminate it. And one of the ones I probably made the maddest, I need to pull this letter out, let you read it one day. I taught over in Dallas for Dallas PD. And this was before the ambush. Had a lot of the SWAT operators and people in there. And um, I didn't know the department psychologist was in there. I didn't care. It wouldn't have changed anything. And I made the comment that I have found law enforcement officers are better psychologists than most PhDs I know. Because psychology is a study of human behavior, and they have to use it to stay alive. They're watching hands, eyes, all that. I don't know many psychologists that have to use it to stay alive in their office. And he got really upset, apparently never had the even the professionalism to walk up and talk to me, but writes me a three-page letter, <laughs> and I get like a week later, and basically demanded I change my training, that I didn't have any I didn't have any right to be bashing academia when it came to law enforcement. But the funny part was, it was one of the officers when I said that he raised his hand and he goes, "You know what PhD stands for?" And I knew, and I said, "What do you think?" And he goes, "Piled higher and deeper," and everybody started laughing. <laughs> sure. Sure. And um, anyway, he wrote me this letter, and I do have it somewhere, and it was all about how I didn't know what I was doing, and I was being irresponsible, and I needed to take that out of my training. And, and then at the end, he said, this was the kicker, he said, there were over 100 in that room. He said, I don't know if you noticed or not, but at the end of the training, when you gave your cell number, every person in that room wrote your number down. And he says, so they think you're credible. And I'm thinking, uh-huh, they sure do. <laughs> right. <laughs> and your point is what? Exactly. <laughs> I rewrote him letters multiple times that I never sent because it wouldn't have been good to put that in writing. Um, he just never got a response. Well, let me, let me say this. I mean, um, you know, PhDs work really hard for those initials. Absolutely. Pay a lot of money for it, too. Absolutely. But in terms of law enforcement, that's not what makes you credible. Right. What makes you credible is that you've you've been in the field. You know what happens. You've seen other cops. You've seen firefighters. You've seen military. That's what makes you credible. Absolutely. And you have that experience. That makes you credible. And and I, that's what I wish they would all understand. Sure. I you know I send the people to you for your area of expertise, and he actually you know. You owe me money. <laughs> I actually make your life pretty Wait, easy. Is, the this real a, is this a topic reason? that's off limits, Brady? <laughs> I can't talk about that. You know, I send people to him. He gets to see him 50 minutes or an hour. I get stuck with him for anywhere from 4 to 6 to 8 to 18 hours. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, you keep going on back to Susan. I'll well, see maybe, you next week. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't stay so long with us and just get us to Brady quicker like i have a choice <laughs> really yeah, like in that first 15 minutes it should be like uh you need to see dr wilson <laughs> well, I, I, right do, we're done. I do do that and then he says y'all go back to susan she does all this stuff, and i'll see you next week but it shows how it works together yeah and and i have to tell the audience out there listening of all the people I've sent, and I, I can't even begin to put a number on it, but lots and lots and lots of law enforcement and some fire, every single client who's ever get, gone to see Dr. Wilson calls me and talks about how much they love Brady Wilson. Mm. I don't think you've ever seen one of mine who didn't come back to you. Mm. No, I haven't. Ever. And and that's what's funny because I had a, a captain with the state troopers here in Arizona, and 
he was grilling me because he didn't like that I'm not licensed. And he said, I don't understand how you know if your clients are making progress. And I started laughing. I said, are you kidding me? He said, well, you don't keep notes and records. I said, no. Well, how do you know? I said, because they come back. There's not a cop on this earth that would come spend four to six hours with us at Under the Shield right. and walk out and go, well, that wasn't worth anything. And then go, when do I come back? <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, that's, that's the differences in the practices. Right. And then when they come back, we see progress. Yes. I mean, and we as deal long with as they're doing the, the door. work. Yes. Yeah. Right. And Brady gets to dig into all that childhood stuff exactly. and all those other things that I just kind of go, ooh, that, I need to stay out of that part of the garbage can. <laughs> and, and I will say, you know, in our field, notes are important. But what's more important is that you remember them. Yes. Yes. That's most important. Yep. You know them. You remember them. Absolutely. You can document the progress that's being made, but and that's what happens here. This is a, you know, you're, this is part of a, a village mm-hmm. that's there to help these men and women. Right. And you develop relationships with them, and you remember them. Yeah. And that's the beauty too, because as stress coaches, we, I mean, having created the program, we set up the ethics that we can be friends with our clients, which is very much discouraged right. in the licensed world. I get it. There we go. But as a coach, just like a sports coach, you know, my son's goalie coaches and ice hockey coaches, they were in my home for dinner. Some of them had keys to the house. They'd come in, get whatever they wanted out of the refrigerator. I knew their mama, their daddy, their wife, their kids, their dogs, whatever, because we're looking at it at a real holistic right. thing. Right. And that, I think, is probably one of the biggest differences in what we're doing versus the license world, but it's all necessary. Yeah. Tell to us a little bit about, because you've been doing this, how long would you say you've actually been working with law enforcement? Um, vigorously, 20 years. Okay. Um, over 30 in general. but. And what are you seeing the differences now with all of this mess going on in society, pre-COVID, mm-hmm. during COVID, post-COVID, what kind of what kind of things are you really seeing in the changes? Well, it goes back further than that, but let me say let me say this first. We've made a horrendous mistake in allowing the media to define who law enforcement is. Mm-hmm. Amen. These are these are wonderful men and women. Um, I care for them deeply, and they have entered this field generally because. They want to help people. Mm-hmm. They've had personal experiences, family experiences, experiences when they were young being bullied. They've had experiences that have made them want to help people. Absolutely. What you see on the news is an aberrant. It's the exception. It's mm-hmm. less than the 1%. But that has altered the public's perception yes. of law enforcement. Um, there's an interesting dynamic, a real conflict, and that is with all this going on these days in general, people have a lot of distrust. They don't trust the government. They don't trust corporations. And now, unfortunately, they don't trust law enforcement. Right. But when they're in trouble, <laughs> who do they trust? Yep. Yeah. Funny, that goes out the window. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like we need to build around that, that people, in fact, do trust law enforcement. They do trust firefighters. Yes. They try. They trust them to take care of them. At their worst time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I've said sometimes to, uh, to first responders, to cops, is, and it's a fact, I mean, the, the world is a beautiful place. It can mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and for most of us, we can enjoy sunsets and we can enjoy our kids and we can enjoy a sense of safety, going places. Uh, it, it's amazing. Yes. But there are people that you and I work with, that we work with, that deal with the part of the world that's treacherous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because they deal with the treachery, the rest of us can deal with this beautiful world. That's right. We have lost awareness of that. We've lost uh, sensitivity to that. We've lost the sense of the community cop. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement I talk with, they say, you know, being in law enforcement, being a cop, being a deputy was a whole lot more manageable 20 years ago. Yes. It was. When the community was behind us. Mm-hmm. And they respected the authority yes. that they had. They didn't fear it. Yep. They respected it. Right. And, you know, that's, my parents raised me that, you know, when I started driving, they said, Susan, they are the authority. If there's a problem when one stops you and asks you to do something or is inappropriate, we take it up at headquarters. We don't challenge them in the field. Mm-hmm. They right. are the authority. Right. we got to get back to that. Personal yep. accountability and responsibility exactly. yep. rather than this, well, let me see how far I can push him and challenge him, and then maybe I can sue and get a lot of money out of this thing. It's crazy. Yeah. And those are really even not the majority. They're just the loudest mouths, and that's who the media focuses in on exactly you know we we end our trainings with um why we do what we do it under the shield and i tell them without police in our cities deputies in our counties troopers on our highways and border patrol on our border none of us can leave our home that's right without 50 cows 308s and whatever else we can strap on our bodies and we believe they are the essential element and then Lieutenant Colonel Grossman had a dealing with first res- uh, with um, uh, special forces a month after 9-11. Mm-hmm. And a young Green Beret came up to him and said, uh, Colonel, go back and tell law enforcement, don't let them come kill my kids and my family. And so we've now added that story and talking about how without all of those people here, our military can't go overseas right. and do their job. And if they can't do that, the fight comes back here. Yep. So I think that puts in perspective who and what they are and the significance and the importance. Fire isn't even going to come out if police aren't there. They can't. That's why they stage exactly. yep. till it's safe. Exactly. So your house will burn down. Mm-hmm. They can't come out. And law enforcement ju- and families especially don't hear that enough. No. And we've got to start to project that more. That's the media, the message media needs to be getting. Because right. having been a spouse of law enforcement and Becky, you too. You're just one of the cops over here. But anyway, um, you were a motor guy. You wore boots, whatever. Um, But we can't even shout from the rooftop when they do great things. Mm -hmm. And then we have to keep our mouths shut when the media is bashing them and saying that's a hard hard lifestyle. And I lived it 20 years. You're going on how long? Six. And um, it's, it's people don't understand that. I've heard from too many spouses of uh, law enforcement um, what it's like after years and years watching your spouse, your husband, your wife leave in the morning and not know if they're going to come home at night. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's not an easy life. It's not. And my first experience in it in the beginning when Marshall first got hired on with DEA, we didn't have cell phones. Mm-hmm. He was out doing undercover stuff. I didn't know when he was coming home. Right. And that's, that's the tough part. And we've got to do a better job of training them because, shockingly, Brady, believe it or not, in academies, they're still teaching the old archaic principle, keep personal and professional separate. Mm-hmm. And I have no doubt that that is almost a self-fulfilling type thing for divorces Yep. because they're telling me 
he's not talking to me. Mm-hmm. And I go, why aren't you talking to her? They told me not to. And we're already creating the divide. And they need to talk to somebody. Right. So who are they going to talk to? And right. sometimes it's the opposite sex that works with them. Right. And it leads to problems. we got to stop that. we got to right. start training these families. And families need to know the resources. They need to know who they can call. Right. It's true. Because that's an issue if they don't. Because you could cost somebody their career because you misread. Mm-hmm. And we've had that happen. Yep. And that's the scary part for me. We don't, you know, this isn't a job people are fighting all over each other to get into. <laughs> no, especially now. No. They're, yeah. they're climbing all over each other to get out. Right. right. And we can't afford for that to happen. Right. And I know, like, you deal with a lot of aftermaths of, of shootings and things. Mm-hmm. And my other real heartburn is the way it seems like a lot of agencies aren't even really defending and backing their people. That's a big issue. I, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to. Okay, I will, but you go ahead. <laughs> I'll try not to. I'm not going to say uh, agencies or, or cities or departments, but because of the politicization of this mm-hmm. issue now. Yes. Um, that has begun to affect cities, city managers, chiefs, uh, the, the uh, command structure. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to too many cops who are afraid to do the job because they're afraid of going to prison. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Um, I've, I've talked to too many cops who who talk about they can't be the community cop anymore. Right. I'm going down the street, and they see this kid. They've seen this kid for, for years. He's high on dope. Mm-hmm. They, they, they pick him up. They used to pick him up, take the bag away from him, go out and buy him dinner, tell him to go home. Can't do that now. Can't do that now because if you do, you're going to get an IA. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be an investigation on you, and you're in trouble. Um that has placed a burden on law enforcement that's unsustainable. Right. You can't you can't continue to do this kind of difficult job when you feel it's not just the bad guys who are after you, but you have concerned about your command structure. Mm-hmm. Yes. How do you deal with that? And the sad part is in a lot of these places too, the command structure that's coming up are people who've never done anything really on the job. That happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the ones that have done stuff are like, Oh, I did it but I got away with it, but you're not going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, one of the other things that we teach in our class is how we all have a need from a psychological standpoint to be in control of some aspect of our lives. Right. And all you got is personal and professional. Right. Well, professionally, they're the most out of control profession, meaning they don't. You and I have the right of referral. Mm-hmm. Something doesn't line up. Me, I'm going to send them to the psychiatrist that made me mad. <laughs> they're heading that way. <laughs> Not law enforcement. Um, but then it becomes home life that they become very controlling and they don't even realize it. Right. And also they can't, the psychological garbage can that we talk about here at Under the Shield, they can't let that be displayed at work because it can cost you your job or go to prison. Right. So it becomes home is the place that the garbage gets dumped. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean in a violent way, but the the tongue can be more damaging than the hands. What's common is because... Because law enforcement, men and women, have to get involved in what is called emotional labor. Mm-hmm. You've got you to tamp your emotions down to do the job, t- to deal with the, the administrative circumstances, but <laughs> yes. also just out in the field. Yes. You've just got to tamp it down. Um, the result of that is, especially with male officers, by yes. the way, it's just becoming edgy, mm-hmm. yep. irritable. 
uh, and you take that home, not intentionally. No. Um, but you take that home, and that's one of the things that leads to a lot of separations yes, and divorces right. is that kind of hostile environment that gets created at home. And uh, these law enforcement, uh, these, you know, these cops, these deputies, when they encounter that, I mean, they have this deep sense of remorse mm-hmm. that they have alienated the people they love the most. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's it's just it's really tragic. Well, and and the sad part is how this cycle works, because it leads to officers thinking their families will be better off without them. Right. And I don't know if you and I've talked about this, but one of the trends we are really seeing the last probably seven eight years, especially, is the suicides are an epidemic. Yep. Without a doubt. Yep. But they're now planning their line of duty deaths. Yep. And they're coming in telling us that. Yep. And it's funny, too, because I can ask one, have you ever been suicidal? And they truly believe they have it. And I'll go, well, wait, hold on a minute. Have you ever rushed into a hot call without backup in your vest on? Oh, yeah. Have you mm-hmm. raced to a call without your seatbelt on and thought, eh, either way, it's a win-win. If I die, right. you know, family gets right. a lot of money. Right. If I don't die, okay, I'll live another day. Yep. I go, do you realize those are suicidal tendencies, mm-hmm. high-risk behaviors that you're not putting everything in place? Mm-hmm. And they're really shocked mm-hmm. because I think they think they're being badasses. <laughs> I don't know what they think. But, but you can see the shock in their face of, you're right. Mm-hmm. That could have been. Yeah, right. But we're already saying um, you know, that it, it's epidemic proportions for the ones that we know right. definitively. That's right. But what about the ones that are single car accidents and they go careening into the in, the piling on the interstate at 90 and no braking? Right. But they had lights and sirens on. They must have been going to a call or something. Right. And, and then when you start to talk to them about communicating with their families, we were seeing like light bulb moments going off mm-hmm. in some of our classes because – and Tom and I've had clients in that we were asking this the other day, and I said, you know, do you ever tell your wife um, how proud you are of her? Mm-hmm. And here's and here's what he said to me. Oh, I tell her all the time she's a great mom, and she's a great this, and she's a great at that. And I said, that's not the same thing. And he goes, no, I'm always praising her. I said, that's not. I said, what you're saying, anybody can say to your wife. You got mm-hmm. great kids. You must be a great mom. Right. Tom, Dick, and Harry walking down the street. But to say, I am proud of you being living life, this this thing we right. call life together with me as my partner. Right. That's a whole nother ball. Absolutely. And these men are like, and this is where I always say men are born stupid. <laughs> this is biblically sound, by the way. <laughs> it's true. It is. In Ephesians, God gave the woman three instructions. The man gets nine. There's a reason you'll Don't have to agree have. with her, Brady. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Tom tries to make all kind of statements, and, the, and he only proves my point every time he does it. Um, but you really have to teach people the art of that communication. And the wife will be sitting there crying. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, she's like, somebody gets this. I said, yeah, I lived it. Right. I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't need to hear I'm sexy and I'm gorgeous. That's nice every now and then. Yeah. But I want to know you're proud of me. I've, I've heard more than once mm-hmm. from um, a cop's spouse. Um, in all cases, it's been uh, female spouses. Um, but I've heard more than once, more than several times, some version of thank you for giving my husband back to me. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like this is the person I married. Yes. Not that guy that I was that was around six months ago. What I think is funny is 
you know, as a male officer, I didn't realize how much mm-hmm. the job was changing me and how mm-hmm. much that was affecting my home life. Right. right. You know, I had no idea. You, you just don't see it coming right. uh, until things break down and then you've got to do some work to figure out how do I fix this now. Yeah. Or you retire and your wife says, it's the best night's sleep yeah. I've had. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because, and, and y'all think we're just yeah. plugging on along with life because that's what we have to do. We right. have to pick up all the pieces. Like, mm-hmm. I, we have yeah. to be there to do right. everything. I, right. I knew that when I would get called out in the middle of the night that that bothered my wife. Mm-hmm. And I knew, you know, when I went to work every day, it's in the back of her, you know, mind. Sure. Um, and then, when, like Susan just said, when I retired the next morning, I asked my wife, said, how'd you sleep last night? She said, it's the best sleep I've had, and I don't remember how long. I'm back. Yeah. And I said, why? And she goes, I don't have to worry about you anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 100%. I was like, that really hit home. You know, yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, wow. Well, think about carrying that burden for yes. years, for yeah. 20 years, 25 years. Yes. Yeah. That, that's a lot to carry. And, and we right. try to protect them because mm-hmm. we know how tough the job is. Right. And, you know, I was laughing, too, telling them that, uh, you know, we have to develop a sick sense of humor to acclimate to this world, too. And to deal with us? Y- yeah. <laughs> we have to be sick, period, to deal with <laughs> For those of us that are successful for any period of time. And I remember uh, Marshall waking me up when I was pregnant with our daughter in New Orleans, and he woke me up in the middle of the night. First, I thought, you, this proves my point that men are born stupid. You don't wake an eight-month-old pregnant woman up in the middle of the night. Right. And he said, uh, yeah, I just want to let you know I'm worth $275,000 dead. And I thought he meant DEA it up to his life insurance. And I went, well, that's nice. And I rolled back over, and he goes, no, 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 it's the first contract that's been put out on me. So I roll over and look at him and go, then don't make me mad. I'll be a rich widow. And I went back to sleep. And he was like, what? And I was like, look, how many women in this world, take all married women, have to deal with that? Right. I remember my mother coming in and I was um, dying the outer vest of Marshall's bulletproof vest, not thinking twice about it, done it a hundred times. She came in, she goes, what are you doing? And I said, Diane Marshall's bulletproof vest. And she's like, why couldn't he have just been a banker or a lawyer or something? I'm going, uh-huh. is this unusual to be doing that? Uh-huh. Yeah. Is well, this normal? That, but that's, that's a great example because you were talking about not knowing. Tom, you were talking about not knowing that you're changing. It's incremental. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. little by little yes. by yeah. little until it gets to a critical point. And, and too frequently, that's too late. Right. Yes. Yeah, relationships have already been damaged. Marriages have already ended. Kids have been alienated. Yes. Um, Because, you know, mom and dad come in and they're concerned about, they've seen the drug kids out here and all the bad stuff, and they'll see their child with their pants bagging down, and they just completely lose it on them. Great intentions, bad delivery. (laughs) And, And that's the stuff that we're not teaching in academies. This is the heartbreaking part. And we, I mean, we teach for free in academies. Um, you know, if you're out of out of Arizona and you have an academy you want us to speak in, pay our expenses to get there, but we're not in charge of a training fee. Amen. It's too important. Yep. And we're still not able to get into these academies. And it's so frustrating because when you can do training that teaches them the stuff to keep the garbage out of the garbage can, yep. how to keep your happies and families happy in this, how you're talking to them. They were laughing at me in San Diego because being the introvert that I am, I know that make y'all all laugh. Um, I used to have a subtle way of doing it with Marshall. He'd walk in and start, and I'd go, time out. And I'd sit in a chair in the middle of the floor, and I'd hold a flood lamp bulb over my head. Uh, okay, go ahead. I'm ready now. I need to screw that thing into a light socket for you to get the full effect here. And they don't know they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. 
but if boy if you did that to them mm-hmm. and and again they think because they don't bring the details home of their day and the gory stuff and whatever that means they're not bringing the job home mm-hmm. <laughs> no it's the mood that yes. i'd rather you tell me the day <clears throat> then right. i can understand the mood it's worse not because in in today's society it's not like once they get to work that we're worried about them the minute they leave yes like yeah. when when jake leaves he doesn't wear his uniform shirt while right. he's driving to work right, right. because you right. could pull up next to someone at a freaking yeah you know light so i'm worried the minute that car's out of the driveway sure and yeah now we have cell phones and thankfully having been a dispatcher for enough time that i understand if he doesn't text back right away okay but you still yes an hour goes by two hours goes by he might be in the middle of you know arguing with whoever or sitting in his office writing reports or who knows what but in our mind oh my god yes what mm-hmm. is going on yes. you know i i want to pick up on that thing about his putting on a regular shirt mm-hmm. um over the last five or six years in particular so many of the um, cops and deputies that i've talked to talked about that they they would take their kids to walmart or they'd get out on the weekends they never used to carry now they're carrying oh, all yeah. the time. Yep. Mm-hmm. And sadly, all they the have to. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I tell them it's a tool of their trade. If you don't need it, great. But if you need it and don't have it, right. now we, now you and I are going to be dealing with a whole different psychological mm-hmm. situation, yep. like parents at Columbine yes. mm-hmm. who rolled up to pick up their kids off duty and no gun, mm-hmm. and it's going bad, and they, they got no options on right. helping or doing anything. Right. And, you know, I remember, and I don't know if this is the case still, I certainly, please, Lord, no. I remember when take-home cars, you were required to park it in front or in your driveway. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, yeah, that, yeah, I, no, let's park it down by the neighbor's house <clears throat> no. I don't like. No. <laughs> yeah. We'll leave it down there now. No. And I'm hoping there are no agencies in this country that still require that, but they used to. There are agencies, a lot of agencies now are saying that your unmarked has to be, or your marked, has to be parked in your garage. Good. It's, yeah. That's the way it should be. Right. And because and then but and that's the conflict I have. So we want to park it out front or in the driveway, but we want keep personal and professional separate. Mm-hmm. That that's an immediate. Why are these people not understanding this right. over the years? Yeah. And you know, my own children were almost executed when they were four and seven at a mall in Montgomery with their dad, mm-hmm. by a, a defendant, one of twenty eight who didn't get convicted, but his mm-hmm. brother got life without. Mm-hmm. And there were contracts on my kids for a year we didn't even know about. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's keeping personal and professional separate. <laughs> and that's yeah. what I told DEA. Where's my check? Because mm-hmm. now mama's got to be the gun toter and the proficient one because I've got the kids most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And people don't realize the things that go on. You know, they watch TV and it's just not like Miami Vice. Mm-hmm. You know, we never had a boat and a pet alligator and <clears throat> danced right. on the bow of the right. boat after he killed somebody right. and drove up in his Maserati or whatever he was driving that day. Um, but I don't think the general population, and nor do they want to, because I had friends that would come up, oh, what does your husband do? Federal law enforcement. Oh, and they'll walk away. Mm-hmm. They want to know. And they that that's a lifestyle they don't want anything to do yeah. with. You know, this, this thing about relationships is interesting. I've seen versions of this a couple times, but I remember one time I t- in particular so vividly, and that was there was a couple I was seeing. A, a cop wanted his wife to come in just to talk about things and, and understand more what he was experiencing. Mm-hmm. 
And she began to talk about saying, I want to know what's going on with you. I want you to talk to me. And he's like, well, I'm protecting you, you know. <clears throat> admirable. Sure, admirable. Um, and yet she no, I, 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 I want to know. And she says, just talk to me. And he says, well, well, I'll try it. So he started talking about an episode. Mm -hmm. And she started crying. Mm -hmm. And he got kind of upset. And he goes, this is what you want? And, <laughs> yep. through, and through the tears, she says, yes. Yes. Yeah. This is what I want. I, guess, I want to yes. know. Yes, absolutely. I want to bear this with you. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't want to kind of have to walk on eggshells around you and right. protect the kids. I want to bear this with you. Sure. And, you know, they also don't understand children are narcissistic by nature. Yep. They have to be. We just hope they're not as narcissistic at 18 as they are at four. <laughs> and that depends on how the parents raise them. But, but when mom or dad, the cop, comes in and has had a bad day but snaps at them, then they have done something wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've actually dealt with kids 18, 19, 20 whose parents got divorced when they were young. And what they remember is the first time it was bad, they got in trouble at kindergarten that day. Mm -hmm. So mom and dad must have gotten divorced because I was bad that day. Right. And they're carrying that with them all yep. the way through their teenage years. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things we teach them is come in, you know, make it age appropriate with the kids. But you got to say dad's had a bad day mm -hmm. uh you know let me go wash this day off mm -hmm. and then i'll come back and we can play and do whatever yep. but nobody's teaching that no nope. and you think it's common sense but it's really not <laughs> oh, it's in not. this it's, industry it's, it's kind of counterintuitive yes. because you know at, at work you don't want to be assigned to the rubber gun unit right at home you don't want to inflict your pain on your children right um and yet <laughs> you know, there are things that can be shared. If nothing else, just I'm really stressed, I'm yes. really upset. Mm -hmm. um, I was working with, uh, again, another couple once, and they were working with their kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dad came home one day. It was, a, it was a difficult day. So he sits down on the couch, turns on the TV, and his 9-year-old comes up and sits next to him. Mm -hmm. And Dad's not doing well, and he puts his head down. He's kind of rubbing his temples. And the kid looks at him and goes, Dad. You processing? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that'll wake you up as an adult. Yeah. Uh oh, uh -huh. I'm in trouble. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. It's so it's so true because, and thinking about like the whole keeps keep work separate and this and that. Spouses, well, female wives we're not stupid <laughs> so when our husband comes home and he's sullen and he's mm -hmm. just the the minorest little the way he sets his lunchbox down or whatever yes. you know something is wrong when you're like hey what's going on nothing oh okay so you're lying to me yes and then if you say nothing and you refuse to say or elaborate we know something is so then our brain's like okay what did i do right. did i bounce a check did, did I, I did i crap did i did i not wash his uniform right. did i not do that's well, something? why do you think that yeah because she didn't wash his uniform no but it's true but it's true think that because yeah. you want to have some control yes and yes. so if you feel like okay maybe i can get control over this by keeping him in a, in a, in a clean exactly. uniform or yes. polishing yes. his shoes yes or financially is what we've seen yes mm, sure. wives will get them in such debt because they don't want to tell them we don't have $25 for you to have for lunch this week. Right. So they start robbing from Peter to pay Paul mm -hmm. and taking out credit cards yeah. and these things because it becomes a real survival thing of if I tell him we don't have it, it 
I'm working all these hours and all, and and now we mm-hmm. have to deal with that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to protect him mm-hmm. than to be it's, open and honest like about it. You tough. protect them by alienating them, which is yes. horrible. And then kids too aren't stupid, right? At all, they pick up so you much, bet. and especially like ours, almost thirteen and fifteen. It's helpful, just the same with them. They're like, "Are you good?" You come home and you're just oh, had a day. They're like, "Are you good?" Instead of just being like, no, just what, and being short with them, it, without all the details, be like, you know what? Uh, no, it's I'm a bad not, day. I'm not okay. I had a, a call that was like a woman was raped, and it's really upsetting me. Like, it's really, and then not only do they realize it wasn't because of me, yes. Mm-hmm. Then, they're, then they're realizing, uh, you know, and then they feel like more part of our family team of, right. okay. And then they watch you process it, and you take a minute, and you do whatever, and then. Sure. There are there are kids seeing counselors and in therapy. Yeah. Um, one example, and, th- and this was, I think, a horrendous event. It should not have happened. But um, the child was watching TV, and it's one of those events where there was a helicopter, news helicopter, watching a, a pursuit, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> car got stopped, and the child saw his father mm-hmm. involved on news. Yep. Uh-huh. And the father, as, as a strategy, dropped so he could see underneath the car. Mm-hmm. The little boy thought his dad was shot. Yes. Um, <coughs> yes. I mean, that was traumatic. Absolutely. And caused difficulties. Hmm. Well, and parents also have to educate their kids, and, it, and it's not an easy thing to do. Because, again, you can't have your kid running around going, you know, in their first grade, running around, my dad's a DEA right. agent. But what, <clears throat> what I did find with ours was that they're limited vocabulary, obviously, um, that they'd go to a friend's house and spend the night that maybe dad didn't know what his dad did. <laughs> and you ask a kid, what does your daddy do? He shoots people. <gasps> yeah, they don't tend to get invited back. Right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and it's, it's about, you know, one of the things we're trying to educate parents to do is ask more questions of their kids. You'll be shocked at what they they know and don't know and how they interpret things right our son inter- interpreted when he was three me teaching him about strangers as uh, i made a comment that were two-faced mm-hmm. so he had it pegged in his head all two-headed strangers were strangers <laughs> so or I danger pro- yeah. yeah yeah i yeah, protected right. my kid against Ooh. all two-headed strangers good plan mom <laughs> all i do is say now what does one look like they have two heads now let's try this again mm-hmm. but we tend to be the authority talking down to them Right. And I think cops can be even worse because of all the bad stuff they know. Right. And then I hear wives say things like, yeah, he let me go to the mall. Every hair on the back of my neck stands up that you're a grown woman who's raised children and he's letting you go to the mall. Yeah, that's parent-child. Mm-hmm. Sex mm-hmm. starts being impacted. Mm-hmm. And I tell him it's not on a conscious level, but if you're going to treat me like that and you act like my dad— yeah. There's a subconscious thing. Yep. I'm not having sex with you. That's incest. Yep. Yep. And yeah. it's I want to say to all the spouses out there, both cops and their spouses, you have to be a team. Yes. Mm-hmm. You have to be a team. And you have to, there's a, in the stress literature, there's a, a term about the stress burden being shared unequally and what that creates. It creates division. It creates problems. Resentment. And so the stress burden at the best, has to be shared yes. between cops, deputies, and their spouses. Yes. And and 
We should be teaching them how to do that. There should be classes. There should, you know, there should be instruction. What a concept. Yeah. We should, somebody should start <laughs> you know, a class like that. <laughs> but I don't know why it was, I, and I found myself doing it too. It was really hard to talk to my wife about sometimes today, uh-huh. even if it wasn't, you know, a, a super bad one. But, you know, there's things that happen, you know, and she'd say, hey, how was your day? It was okay. Or it was good, fine. You know? Well, like you talk about, though, in the class about mm-hmm. if you get called out on a wreck and you come in and right. somebody died, your description is it was a good one. Yeah, she'd say, how was that How was that call? It was a good one. Meaning right. they died. Right. Which, yeah, that's really not what I meant, but that, yeah. it meant that it was a bad wreck, you know, right. but she understood that. She yeah. understood that. And sometimes she would dig a little more, and, mm-hmm. and, and I think she was pretty intuitive to how I was, you know, so she right. would – on certain cases, she would ask more questions. Yeah. But it, for me to just volunteer that information, I don't know why it was so hard to do, mm-hmm. you know? But and, yeah. and that's what, but yet I know that, especially now, I know how much that would have helped sure. both of us. Both of you. Sure. And but so you're... how do I get, how do I tell other officers that you just have to open up to your your it, spouse? It's First, it's counterintuitive. It mm-hmm. is. Because you're, you're trained, but you're also socialized because of the, the community. To be tough, be strong, right. yes. not show weakness. Right. Um, and the, that term weakness has to be redefined. Exactly. Yes. Because you're human also. Right. The human in yeah. you experiences these things, and that has to be dealt with. Um, <laughs> excuse me. So my, my feeling is is that I'd like to see spouses trained with their spouses. They have who to are be. in law enforcement. Yeah. They have to be. At the same time. Yes. Right. I, I, you know, I, I have... I'll see two, three, four, sometimes five uh, cops, deputies a day. And vicariously, I'm exposed to their trauma. I know Mm -hmm. what they've experienced. Um, I get pictures in my head. I'm Mm -hmm. not there. I didn't experience it. But I have a lot of pictures in my head. Sure. And what I tell my wife sometimes, I'll I'll say, look, it's been a tough day. I've got pictures in my head I don't want you to have in your head. Mm -hmm. But I just want you to know how it's affecting me. Sure. And that gives her a chance to even say, I would like you to share that some of it, maybe, you know, set the boundaries, but don't set the boundary for them. Right. Because we have a couple we were working with one time that he said, I don't share with her and and she's in um, medicine. And and I looked at her and said, so do you share everything with him? And she said, no. And he was appalled. <laughs> yeah, he was appalled. <laughs> right. right. So, yeah, it ain't fun when it's coming back the other way, isn't it? Uh-huh. And it's true. But these are things you have to, you know, we teach them how to use guns, tasers, all these things. We teach them um, communication skills with the public, with mentally ill, all that stuff. But we leave the family out and then wonder yeah. why divorce rates are where they are. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's sad. Yeah, we teach them all that stuff, but we don't teach them how to pick up the phone and and right. call for help. Right. You know? right. And like I, right. That's true. I talk a lot about some of my baggage, you know, in the trainings that we do. And um, one case that that bothers me is I tied. Uh, it was a five year old boy that died, and I had my twin boys were that same age, mm-hmm. and I tied them to that. So that bothers sure. me over. My Still whole does. Career. Still does. He's, and, he's a work in progress. And while, while, so Susan and I, we drive to San Diego on Sunday evening, and then later that night, one of my twin boys gets in a wreck, gets rear-ended, has a concussion, mm-hmm. you know, and so mm-hmm. that brought up that case. Yep. And and like I said, when I was talking about it during training, I started to tear up and cry. Sure. And, and at the end, I said, if you guys think it's hard to 
pick up a phone and ask for help, that's just fear. Yeah. I said, it's much harder for me to stand up here and cry in, in front, front of, of you. all you people and tell you how I was broken and how I still am. Right. Yep. But yeah. at least I'm doing something to get that help, you know, yeah. and that's, it's so hard to just I get had, someone um, to call. I had know? one cop, really, a really bright guy, really articulate. And early on, I was addressing this with him because he was not being really open. And I kind of challenged him on it. I said, can you say, can you give words to why you're not talking about what's going on? Mm-hmm. And he says, I don't want to hear what I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's, that's a big part of it. And that's when we go into the whole garbage can thing. And I tell him, I said, you know, the writing, the things that we ask you yeah. to do, writing letters to right. people, whether it's your supervisor, it's a kid that died or whatever, think of it like your garbage you take it to the garbage can you drop it in it goes from there to the receptacle mm-hmm. to the street to the mm-hmm. dump it's gone it's a process <clears throat> yep and you process through it but you don't reread your writing because that's picking the garbage back up right and it's not for anybody to read and this is your the place that is safe to think feel and express whatever you need to think feel yep. and express right. and right. it's an ongoing process until one day you look at it and go hadn't written on it in six months doesn't really bring anything, you know, burn you, it. You bring up a really important issue, and, and it has to do with some of the inhibitions um, of people in law enforcement to talk and share. Um, one thing that, that, that we do, uh, I do it in my office, I know you do it here, you create a safe environment yes. where someone doesn't have any concerns about the consequences of what they have to say. Right. right. It's not going to be reported back to their chief. It's not going to get out to whomever. Yes. They, you create that environment for yes. them so that they can say what they have to say. Absolutely. And one other thing, real quick, because you touched on it, Tom. Um, if you're a cop and you've got a two-year-old at home mm-hmm. and something happens with a two-year-old, yep. mark that. Yes. Because that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. That may affect you more than anything. you got yes. a five-year-old kid. Yep. Something happens with a five-year-old out there. you got a teenager. Something happens with a teenager. Yep. Man, those experiences are... It's personal. Yeah. Really hard. one of the things we've talked about, too, is, and I don't know if you've thought about this, but, you know, before body cams, Mm -hmm. and we found studies that where they, when they can use sick humor, the body sends a message to the brain, this has no power over me. But children, we never use sick humor. And so those tended to fill up garbage cans. Sure. Well, now with body cams, they can't use sick humor on anything right. because that's when you get disciplined right. and you get in trouble. Right. So I'm, we're, one of the things we try to teach in the supervisor classes is don't look at your officers and go, he's only been on two or three years. The garbage he could have acquired psychologically because of not being able to use sick humor where you got to use it for the first 15, 20 years of your career, right. Right. he didn't have that tool. Right. Because I see the older ones going, see, they're just not cut out. <laughs> no. No. Let, let me share my uh, one of my feelings about body cams. I can I can understand the merits of them and where they're they're, sure. they're useful. Sure. But when you're in law enforcement, your training has to take over at times. Yes. You can't be thinking. Right. And I, I hear it all the time in terms of experiences and, and cops share where they are aware of the fact that their training took over and thank yes. God it did. Yep. When you got a body cam on, mm-hmm. now you're thinking. Yep. yep. You're second guessing. And you don't have yeah. time. Absolutely. You mm-hmm. don't have time for it. And that can create problems. Yep. Yes. I agree. And and it isn't that what the officer is doing or would do without the body cam is wrong. No. Uh, we either have to change training, 
which I don't recommend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of like when we went back to community policing, we wanted a kinder, gentler police officer. Right. And they used to tell the troopers in Alabama at the academy, y'all are screwing up here. Because if you want a kinder, gentler trooper, then you better get rid of the paramilitaristic. You better start being nice to them. Stop all mm-hmm. the yelling, screaming, getting in their faces, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Put them in, you know, khakis and a polo and let them sit in class and whatever. But I said, you are training them one way but expecting a different response. Right. Can't do that. Right. And the same thing's happening with these body cams. We're training one way, forgetting the body cam's going to be there. Mm-hmm. And now we're even going to a place of... And I won't say the department because I don't want to get Brady in trouble. <laughs> but we have an agency here now that is bragging that their motto is we provide excellent customer service. Now, customer service means the customer's always right. Right. Customer service is the drive up. Mm-hmm. Customer service mm-hmm. is where you go to return something to Dillard's. Mm-hmm. Um, law enforcement work is never customer service. Right. And it's planting a seed in these younger officers that I think is very detrimental to them. And even in the attitudes that they're being told about the body cam, that the citizen is getting the benefit of the doubt, not the officers. Makes me want to lose my mind. I I, I want to speak in front of a chief's conference so bad Mm -hmm. because I must stand up there and ask them, who thinks this is a good idea? Mm -hmm. Because it's just not. Mm -hmm. You're sending the wrong message to the public that's already gotten a bad message through media and stuff. Right, right. And now we're going to make y'all the customers? Uh, yeah. yeah. I, you it, know, what, what bothers me about the body cam is it doesn't show that that emotion that the officer right. has. Right. You mm-hmm. know? Um, or what happened prior leading it, up to stopping exactly. the vehicle. Right. Um, but the guy that's watching it and critiquing how I did on a call. Yep. He doesn't have that emotion. He can't even find that emotion Calmly because sitting in a he's room, just sitting safe. there watching a movie. Yes. And, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, That's easy to it's, critique. Exactly. It is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then you got the, the officers that are, you know, forced to work all mm-hmm. the time, wow. limited days off. Mm-hmm. So they're sleep deprived. They're making bad decisions. Yes. And that body cam is just By the way, you know, in, hurting them. In the, um, there's a body of literature in medicine. Uh, it's called epidemiological mm-hmm. literature, but it studies stress diseases, why people will get ill <clears throat> when they're exposed to stress. And the primary um, recipe for someone having a stress-related disorder, and it could be high blood pressure, blood, you know, stomach Cancer, ulcers. Cancer, diabetes, it, asthma, exactly. all kind of stuff. Uh, what you do is you increase the demands on them, more hours, mm-hmm. more dangerous environment, Bad or bad guys, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> and you reduce their discretion, yeah, and their resources. That officer is going to be symptomatic, yes, hundred mm-hmm. percent yeah. of the time, yes, eventually, right. yes, yes, yeah, it's going to catch up, yep. that's for sure. And you know, one of the things that we um, were hearing about, and now he's actually on our board of directors, but Chicago had three suicides at the police department in the first thirteen days of July. And when Mm -hmm. we were able to talk to the brother of one of them, it was a female, 
And uh, Ryan is this amazing 21-year-old. He's a boxer. He's at Ohio State. Couldn't get a real school like Alabama, but that's okay. Whatever. Go about guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's going to cost you. Uh-oh. That's going to cost you. Um, there goes your office. I was born in Ohio. Where's, where's that paycheck here? Yeah, okay, that, that one gets held. Um, but he was talking about his sister. They canceled all off time, and she worked 22 days straight, 12-hour shifts. He was on our podcast recently. That one just came out, and he said he had talked to an officer 41 days, 12-hour shifts. And the saddest, most pathetic. I know. <laughs> I, if yeah, you could see it, Dr. Yeah. Brady's face. Like, what the hell? <laughs> it's unsustained. It's inhumane. Right. Yes. It's 12-hour yeah. shifts are bad enough. Right. Yeah. But the saddest part of all of it was the head of their EAP got up and basically said, we're here. They just won't call us. Well, when you work 22 mm-hmm. days straight, even if you do trust them, and you do that 12 hours, when exactly am I supposed to come into you? Have and the time to do it. And yep. she yeah. was seeing counselors who would cancel on her. And then her last session, I'm pretty sure it was her last session, don't know how soon before she, she killed herself, but she went in and asked the counselor how, you know, just casual, how, how are you today? And for 45 minutes, the counselor told her about all of her problems. And Patsy got up and said, well, you've got your plate full. You don't need me in here and left. How sad is that? That's no, but that that's, that didn't surprise me. No, you. It, it, and this is what kills it for the license world. It yeah. doesn't take but a few taking their badge and gun because they're, you know, I hear them say all the time, and this is the wrong thinking in law enforcement. I'd rather save his life than his career. Well, sometimes the career is the only thing that keeps them alive. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so when you take that attitude like you might with other professions, you can pretty much, Chris Ferrara being a prime example. Mm-hmm. Chris Ferrara never displayed any issues at work whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But when they demoted him, and he wouldn't mind us talking because he's already talked about you, doctor number five. <laughs> <laughs> so when y'all listen to episode 11 and you hear Chris, he's talking about Brady. And, uh, but the reality of it was it was all of that mess that put Chris at the highest risk. Yeah. And these are the things the licensed world's e- either get educated. I want them out doing ride-alongs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to be, and, and you know, here, and here's our argument. To be a sports psychologist, you cannot just get a PhD. Mm-hmm. You couldn't go hang your hat out right now as a sports psychologist mm-hmm. because you got to study kinesthesiology and all those other things right. I can't say. Right. If our athletes need specialization in this don't our tactical athletes? Yeah, let me let the me culture. let me say something about counselors or psychologists or anyone who might be listening to this. And by the way, I I I know some I know a psychiatrist, for instance, who's who gets this. And, Good, and that's great. Good. I, I, I'm keeping him from retiring. Okay, we need his name. <laughs> we need his name. I'll give it to you. Okay. Um, but but just a word to counselors and psychologists. One is, yeah, you have to be knowledgeable about this. But but the most importantly, if 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 anything, be even more vigilant when you're working with law enforcement to remain a counselor, remain a psychologist. Don't try and buddy up. Don't use cop talk. It's offensive. <laughs> if you haven't been shot at a few times, right. Right. it's offensive. Don't use cop talk. Be right. a psychologist. Be a counselor. Yes. Um, because the law enforcement who comes in to see you needs that yes. in order to be able to eventually disclose mm-hmm. and open up. And don't be above them, No, but be your profession. Yep. 
but understand and try to and you can't read it in a book Mm-hmm. You cannot read, and you can't watch it in a movie. No, none of that kind of stuff. They they they'll eke you out in a heartbeat if if you're trying to fake it. Mm-hmm. And it and it's just really sad that there's not more reception to all of that. You know, my uh, my first exposure, um, and I never did a ride along, but it was way back in Boston mm-hmm. at the Veterans Hospital. There was a small ward, and there were about a dozen patients in there. They're all. Military Vietnam vets. Um, Twelve patients in this ward that were uh, in hammocks. They were all quadriplegic. Wow. And so these guys needed to talk about what was going on and what happened to them. Sure. And I'm in this room. They can't go anywhere. So I'm in this room among, you know, 11 other bodies um, talking about their experience, but talking about their experience there. Mm -hmm. And I get to be able to see it. Yes. Um, that was my first best education mm-hmm. was to be, uh, yeah, sink or swim. Sure. And I want your opinion on this because I'm, I'm really kind of finding it entertaining, actually, because we at Under the Shield, we're on this side of the fence and the license world for the most part is over here. Mm-hmm. I got you on the fence with kind of you can go whichever direction right. and, um, but what I've always been kind of entertained by is how they run around and they talk about PTSD is not curable it's treatable and we have a different philosophy of that but um, now we're having some here in the valley that are PhD or psychiatrist level who are now saying when an officer is in for a medical retirement and we've got three or four PhD psychiatrist saying he is has PTSD and should medically retire and one pops off with he's in remission well if he's in remission then it can be cured so y'all need to get that squared away over here on the (laughs) side of the fence because we've always said with some exceptions that it's a psychological traumatic brain injury Mm -hmm. where there's a severe physiological which is true then that's probably permanent but we equate it to a broken bone you break your leg bone, you don't go to anybody, you walk it off, it'll cripple you for life. Mm-hmm. Go to an ENT or an eye doctor, probably going to cripple you for life too. But if you go to the orthopedic doctor, they pin it, set it, whatever. It may bother you when the barometric pressure drops, mm-hmm. but it's not going to run your life. No. And so have you heard it can go into remission when it's um, been diagnosed that way? I've, I've heard similar things, um, but... You know, I think one of the points is, you know, um, law enforcement, for instance, mm-hmm. um, someone has, usually it's not one, it's usually a series of events. There's mm-hmm. there's that. It's like, you know, when a, when a skier breaks his leg skiing, mm-hmm. it's always the last run of the day. Well, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's up. the first, it's right. the last run of the day. So there's always that last incident. Sure. Um, but when when... Someone in law enforcement has post-traumatic stress disorder. It's very specific to law enforcement. Yes. They can live a good life. Yes. They can live a full life. They can be productive. Sure. But they can't be out there in patrol carrying a gun, chasing bad guys again. Right. Because that will immediately bring the symptoms back in a rage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's like the bulletproof vest is a trigger for some that we exactly. know. Exactly. When do you wear a bulletproof vest? When you're a cop. So you can't be a right. cop. But that leaves you quite a few other things you can do. Right. Mm-hmm. But this whole concept of we won't medically retire somebody 
with a lot of years on. I get it if they're at five years. I get there can be some confusion. Um, but when we're talking about somebody who has really served their time right. and we're going to deny them that right. because it's in remission, well, you come out of remission tomorrow too. But yep. it, it it's just very confusing. And I know some of that is because they're protecting their department. That's who's paying the guy uh, that says this. And that's the kind of stuff that really turns law enforcement off against getting help. Right. And we try to, and that's why we like the three-tiered approach, because when they come to us, it's safe. You can come tell us anything. And then we can figure out, can we deal with this? And if we try everything we do and it doesn't work, then we have you. Right. So you got to live like 150 <laughs> more years. Okay. I'd love okay. To. okay. Um, at least as long as I'm breathing. You can go when I'm gone. I'll wait up there for you. But Chris and I'll be waiting on you. Uh, but at least while I'm here, because I have the safety of knowing you get it and I can mm-hmm. assure them and they trust me mm-hmm. or Tom or Becky or whatever stress coach. And when we say you can go to this man, he gets it. That means the world. It way. does. It's everything. Right. And that's why they are very willing to come to you. That's the kind of relationship that needs to be happening mm-hmm. between under the shield and the license world. Mm-hmm. Because again, we have to have them. I don't do, I can't document. I can't do FMLA, workman's comp, right. industrial, right. medical retirements. Um, and there are things I can do that you can't do because of licensure stuff. Right. And so that's why it's such a great team up. Right. Yep. And it needs to be like this all over this country. And interestingly, the contract we just got in March, the professional liability insurance carriers for 72 of the 91 cities and towns, police and fire and dispatch, contracted with us because they'd been looking for three years for someone to provide it anonymously. Awesome. When an insurance company wants anonymous resources, that's huge. They just want us to say contacts. So Becky's husband is part of that organization. So if he calls, uh, that's one contact. They don't know where. They don't know what department. It it could be the wife. It could be a kid. It could be a firefighter, dispatcher, police officer. They just want to know it's being used. That's when we're going to really start to make a difference. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we can get them to the medical world, the licensed world, peer support, wherever. But when they're scared to come, and you can understand why when it doesn't take but one getting screwed over. Mm Mm-hmm. That it's they're true. all going to shut down. That's true. And that's how we start to rebuild this. And we call it mental, mental I almost said illness. Uh, <laughs> Freudian slip there. Now, mental wellness. Right. Because there's such a negative to the mental illness yep. part that you, you see it, the, they're receptive. You know, one, one thing I want your listeners to know is, you know, we're not retiring everybody we see no <laughs> um, our, our goal when especially when it's the cops desire get them back to work absolutely now sometimes it's in a modified assignment because there are things they may not be able to do sure but we work very vigorously yes at, at uh, trying to design those programs and working with departments to try and make them available sure but there's a lot of times where a cop is just not able mm-hmm um, and sometimes it can be from the department yep. mm-hmm. targeting them, not yep. necessarily the events. Sadly. Yes. Yeah. And you'd think that they would never do that because, again, we don't have 6,000 applicants for 100 jobs anymore like we've right. had in the past. Yeah. I had one guy. God bless this guy. He landed on his feet. He's doing great. Um, but 
I was meeting him with him once. He was very distressed because he was facing a criminal charge. Mm -hmm. Um, And we started talking about what that could lead to. And he looked at me in all sincerity. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm not going to prison. Mm -hmm. I hear Mm -hmm. you. And I got it. It's like, I understand. And I understand why. It wouldn't go well for you. Nope. Right. Mm -mm. And and I think too many times, too, and when people look at law enforcement suicides, they think that's the majority, and it's not. Mm -mm. And we just recently were, um, San San Diego or Chula Vista uh, Border Patrol had one just in the last few weeks, that the police came to arrest him because one of the foster children, something about being malnourished, Mm -hmm. and he literally went for his gun and shot and killed himself in front of the police officers. This is a a small, small portion of less than 1%. You got some that'll get diagnosed with something, saw a parent die a horrible death with some kind of cancer. They get that. They pick their way out. That is not the majority of what we're talking about. Absolutely not. But it's a very, it's a very fine line in how the departments are treating them and this risk of going to jail. Um, Mm -hmm. I will say this: it's it's, it's, the reasons are similar as to why there's so many suicides among the military. Mm -hmm. And I think, in particular, back in the '70s for Vietnam, I saw one thing with vets back then that I'm seeing with cops right now. Um, for those of you who were alive back in those days, mm-hmm. our veterans were coming back into the States when the war was over or other times. And the public had gotten turned against not just the war, but also the soldiers, as yes. if the soldiers chose to yes. fight that war. Yes. And they were despised. They came back and people were flipping them off and giving mm-hmm. them the devil look and Baby spitting killers. on them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Suicides were rampant. Yes. And we work with those young men and women the injury was frequently there was a PTSD from things that they'd experienced, horrendous things at war. But the, the, the most difficult injury was what they experienced from the public. Nobody yeah. prepared them for mm-hmm. that. Right. Yep. Today, cops are starting to feel that. Yes. 100%. Not just from the public, but sometimes from their command structure. Absolutely. Right. They feel like they're at war. They feel like they're, uh, no one's supporting them. They feel mm-hmm. like they're right. the enemy. That's it. And that's tragic. Well, and that goes back to training and stuff, too, because we show a video in our classes of a POW, Charlie Plum. Mm -hmm. And he was held captive 2,103 days, six years, in an eight-by-eight, tortured, starved. Smaller than the room we're in right now. Yes, I lose my mind in about 45 minutes. (laughs) And um, I'm telling you, those walls will be coming down. And he says in that video, and this is what makes our argument about PTSD isn't exactly what we've been calling it, Mm -hmm. because he says that the doctors and psychologists that had worked with the POWs said that they were healthier mentally and physically, more so than the guys who didn't get shot down. We have to look at why. Mm -hmm. And I dated a naval aviator after I got divorced, and I was talking to him about it, and he goes, Susan, he goes, I got waterboarded in training. He goes, these guys, it was a ground war in Asia. We knew who right. the POWs would be. Right. And most of them were pilots. Right. And he said, you can bet they were trained as to what would happen. There was a, a level of mental preparation mm-hmm. for expectation. Mm-hmm. Didn't make it fun. Mm-hmm. But when we don't train people up front for what could happen, right. if it never happens, great. Right. But we didn't train the ones coming home that the country they fought for was going right. to despise right. them. Right. That's where the PTSD was. Yep. So it shows the importance. And, you know, we, what we get sick of hearing is departments and trainings we do, and they'll say, oh, I've been to suicide prevention. 
tell me what that was. And they'll mm-hmm. go, well, if somebody's suicidal, here's what you say. And I said, that's intervention. Right. That's not prevention. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've now tagged myself because there is no such thing. So I can <laughs> call myself whatever I want to. Um, I am a, and I'm Susan Simmons. Uh, I'm a suicide preventionist. Yes. Not an interventionist. I can do intervention. But I want to keep them from getting to that point. Amen. And that comes from preparation. And Mark Valenzuela, who has talked about you on our podcast, <laughs> so you can talk about him. Okay. But, um, he, it, that, that's one of the things that why Mark does what he does, talking about his not just the shooting. He shows it. Mm-hmm. But he talks about being broken afterwards yeah. and stand in front of his peers because nobody wants to talk about that part. Right. Yep. So they all think it's just them. Yes. Right. When he can get, you should see him in front of a new recruit class. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So that if it happens to them 10, 15 years from now or five weeks or whatever, they can go, I remember. Mm-hmm. You know uh-huh. what? What I'm experiencing is normal because right. Mark told me it was. Right. And he's this badass combat Marine and a Phoenix officer with a lot of years on. Mm-hmm. Guess what? If he's okay, I'm going to be okay, yep. and I need to do the stuff he recommends. Yep. I want to. I want to say this to everybody in law enforcement. You go to the department. You, know, you go. You you go in the morning. You suit up. Maybe you're a new recruit. Maybe you're you've been there for 17 years. Um, everybody looks great. Yeah. They look great. Most of those those men and women are broken. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And not by choice. Ah. Uh-uh. Not at all. By response, lack of responsibility in training academies yep. and police departments, we would never hand a new cop a gun and go, here's the front end, here's the back end, here's the trigger, here's where the bullets go, right. figure it out. Right. But we expose, and, and that's the, the, those things are used rare, rarely. Right. But it's the day-to-day of yep. the family, right. of the job that we do not prepare them for. Right. And I can I get it if you don't know there is training that will help with this, mm-hmm. but to me it's completely irresponsible when you know there's training, it's been proven, you've seen the evaluations, all of those things, and you still won't do it, right. and and they can't claim cost. Right. Uh, Tom and I taught a class not too long ago where literally somebody on the evaluation wrote, hmm. this course was was timely. Uh. I was planning my death and now have the tools i need and the understanding as to what i have to do that's awesome and and put it in writing yeah well i I support you on training i mean the the only way to help someone deal with the ambiguity the 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 unexpected yes and and that's if you're a cop it's every day Mm -hmm. yes the only way to deal with the unexpected is through training yes Mm -hmm. you have to have heard it you have to have heard it from experienced officers yes you have to have the tools you have to understand it's a thing yes and have some understanding as to what it is Um, and not a weakness exactly that that is the key you got to have the real badasses of the badasses like the sau's and and the mark valenzuela's and people who will stand up there and it's and it's interesting because when tom is emotional in the training and i ask him anybody in this room just lose respect for this man Mm. and they're all like no okay then why is it that people will lose respect for you Uh if If you you get help right or you reach out right and you can literally see light bulb (laughs) moments in them Mm -hmm. and we leave there and we get emails we want to talk to you we've got them coming in from all over we can do it via zoom whatever and but it's like they've never really understood that it is okay to ask for help. Absolutely. And that's what we've got to start to change. Sure. I mean, and, you get if you get knocked down in the ring, you mm-hmm. go to your corner. Mm-hmm. You're going to come back out. Right. 
But you got to go to your corner. Yes. Get some help. Yes. You know, talk to someone, talk to Susan, get a referral to someone you trust. Yes. Um, you know, you know, to address Mark, if he's out there, Tom, you're here. Yeah, you know that. You know that you, you have to go to your corner sometimes. Right. Uh, take a break from it. Figure things out. Yeah. See what's understanding. Understand what's going on inside you. Exactly. Um, and it's okay. Yes, absolutely. But it sometimes happens. you have to have somebody that can help you process through it. Yeah. And the help has to be there, and it has to be effective, mm-hmm. and it has to be trustworthy. Mm-hmm. It can't be the same as treating a lawyer, an accountant, or someone else. No. It's not the same. That was one of the things my professors told me in graduate school. Susan, they put their pants on the exact same way everybody else does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's what they do with those pants on that mm-hmm. is very different. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. They had a little extra thing than a belt, and right. it's called a gun belt. Um, but that's what has to change because it doesn't take much to destroy it for all of us, right. which is why we operate the way we do. And as much as we say you are part of Under the Shield, the separation is the licensure part of it. Mm-hmm. But, again, we, we know you and how you feel about this population mm-hmm. yeah. that I never hesitate to send anybody to you no, ever. You know, I mean, this isn't something I would express to any cop directly, <laughs> but you know that I love these people. Uh, uh, well, and, and we've had those conversations. We love you too, <laughs> 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 Becky's one of his, by the way. Um, Tom's headed that direction. <laughs> get ready. <laughs> You'll get the email soon. Um, heck, I'm coming to you. <laughs> and, but it is, it is a thing that, that, he truly gets it. Mm-hmm. You truly care for this population. Mm-hmm. You don't see them as a um, kind of a financial part of this no. thing. You have, no. I know you've done a lot of things for free yeah. for this population. Yeah. And we've never done it about money. That's why I think you and I struck up a chord from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we saw that with Chris Farrar, and that is mm-hmm. – Probably one of the things that Chris was the most proud of about his time that he was kind of in that pit was he was able to put the green, the green light on you yeah. and the stamp of approval for so many mm-hmm. th- them to come to, to mm-hmm. you. I think mm-hmm. a lot of it in hearing like Susan, Brady, it's support. You like with the Vietnam vets coming back, they were were dishonored, disrespected, treated horribly by the people they were freaking fighting for. Right, right. Officers are protecting people that hate them, and now they don't even feel protected. They're they're out there protecting and serving every day. They don't feel protected by their own admin. Right. Right. That's it. So if you don't, and I've been, I've probably talked to both of you about it before. I've talked to friends about it, too. And dispatching, you hear some really bad stuff. Sure. You're right there. But it's almost like you could process that and you could move on if you had the support. Mm-hmm. And But it's not there. You mm-hmm. just get treated like crap. Right. Take the next call. Hurry and up. Get a move on. Exactly. Right. If yes. you don't have the support and it's like no one even freaking cares, suck it up and take your next call. Yeah. It's And it's like this is a big family, but it's turning into – you have to just protect yourself and you have to have your back against the mm-hmm. wall because you don't know if your body cam's going to screw you. You don't know if the chief is or if a citizen posting YouTube is 
or or you're getting yelled at by a citizen yeah you know for absurd reasons or you get called to take care of them and then the next thing you know they're videoing you and saying you didn't have to do right. that right. Mm-hmm. but right. you're that's the one that's not who, what i wanted <laughs> yeah, yeah but you're the one who called them in here so it's like you don't feel like you have the support of the of anyone yet you're still held to the standard yes that don't make a mistake don't make a wrong decision on very little sleep and from whatever taquito roller dog you can get from circle k between calls yes it's always healthy you know well and here's another aspect even of that because then you become you rely on your squad Mm -hmm. or your dispatch team or whatever and then you don't want to have to take time off because then it adds even more with the short staffing right Mm -hmm. and so we've got really Mm -hmm. people that need time off and all of that stuff that won't do it in their own best interest mm-hmm. because they're worried about everybody else. Sure. And it's your team, your coworkers, yes. sure. the public the, the public says screw you, we'll screw you back, but I'm there for my coworkers. Right. 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 And that's really leading to some very serious issues mm-hmm. and then guilt right. when they do wind right. up crashing. Right. Across the board. <laughs> Dispatchers, <laughs> law enforcement. Yes. It's across the board in terms of there's that disincentive yes. to take care of yourself because you need to be there for your brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, It's a big deal. And if I can give any advice to any administrators, supervisors, people want to be, I want to be chief somewhere one day, but it won't happen. <laughs> it won't last either. But anyway, uh, my advice to you would be to take a lesson from Sheriff Mark Lamb mm-hmm. down in Pinell County. And Mark Lamb cares about his people. Mm-hmm. And he he can get people to work for him, even though he pays less than some of the others up here in the valley, because he gets out and does the job. He doesn't sit behind a desk. He gets out, and he's I've seen him stand up in front of the feds, the state, everybody, chiefs, everybody, <laughs> and basically said, "Y'all are a bunch of ballless wonders, mm. and you need to get a set and start taking care of your people." And I told him it was everything I could do not to stand up and scream, preach it, brother. <laughs> You're a good-looking self in that cowboy hat. You, you, you actually didn't do that? I, no, I, I got him afterwards, and then I told him again on the podcast. Um, but take a, take a lesson there. Look at the, the sheriffs in Florida mm-hmm. who stand up for their people. Yeah. You've got Grady down there. You, you've got them in several counties there. That they get up and go, you know, guess what? You pull a gun on my guys, they're going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And we're going to support them 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the citizens, somebody break in your house, shoot them. Yeah. We're not going to arrest you. If if law enforcement supervisors management would get back to that role, yeah. boy, we could turn this thing around, this ship around in a big hurry. And uh, another member of our uh, board of directors, Andy Hughes, he was a sheriff. He was head of Homeland Security in Alabama. And he does these little snippets of leadership and supervision and stuff and one of the things he says is we've got to have supervisors who are um who how did he put it less the their position is less important mm. the mission has to be the first most important thing right. not their position right and that's what we're seeing is too much of i got to work my way up the ladder so i can't make anybody at the top mad take care of your people right. Tell them it's okay to reach out for help. This isn't about weakness. Share your own experiences with them. And then get them someplace that you know can help. 
And yeah, we could keep Brady here. He he got to come back. We're gonna have to do a, a, a quarterly with Brady or something. I don't know. Psych eval with Brady every quarter. <laughs> he can come in here and analyze who's all it, of us. I don't know. I say, who's he gonna diagnose? <laughs> hey, I don't know. I'm not. I volunteer. <laughs> I volunteer, but I don't think he wants a job. He goes, no, I'm not gonna touch that. <laughs> so, are there any final thoughts or anything as we wrap this up? Because I know you got a busy day. You probably got half of mine coming to see you today. <laughs> Actually, I. I, uh, I don't see uh, clients on Friday. It's been Friday managing myself. Good for you. So I'm, I'm working, but I, I, I need to learn that lesson. I Can you teach me that? No. Uh, <laughs> Chicken. <laughs> no, I know you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. I may change in my old age. I'll never know. <laughs> I think the final thought is that our, as a community, we need to support law enforcement yes. more. I mean, Buy them their donuts and coffee. Yes. Um, wave at them. Uh, if, you, if you can't encounter them, thank them. Thank them. Uh, if you get stopped in traffic, do what they ask. Yes. And when they walk away, thank them. Yes. Um, not for stopping you, but for what they do in general. Yes. That's a lot harder than stopping you. Uh, we, but I think that's the main thing is, is, that, is that we really need to support our law enforcement. Yeah. And our firefighters. Think about where mm-hmm. we would be if we didn't have them. And I don't Amen. think people understand that. And it's kind of sad. It's even in the highest crime areas that they still think they don't need them. And right. like, oh, okay. There's, there's some really, really <laughs> mm-hmm. bad. Like I said, treachery. There's sure. some really bad stuff mm-hmm. out there. Yes. And Unimaginable by most people. Yes, right. absolutely. But again, uh, you know, here at Under the Shield, we're available 24-7, 365. You want to talk to a dispatcher? Becky's one of our stress coaches. I think you might want to talk to her. I don't know. Maybe she needs to know a few more sessions with Brady. Then you can talk to her. <laughs> no, she's good at what she does, and she understands it. Uh, she was trained by me. How could she be anything less? Every stress coach is trained by me. So they're all outstanding. Not as good as me, but they're outstanding. <laughs> and, uh, but we're available to you 24-7. That's to all the families. We have someone who specializes in kids and teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, she's outstanding. Uh, this is for all first responders, military, public safety, whatever you want to call yourselves and your families, um, departments, if anybody's out there listening and training, look, we will come in and teach a class for free. You let people evaluate it. Mm-hmm. Our evaluations right. speak for themselves. We'll send you copies of Border Patrols and Haida. We've taught for Haida in different parts of this country. Um, we can give you references. We got cops that'll tell you they come to us and they're happy to uh, talk to you about the benefits. Typically, they become one of our stress coaches. Right. They want to give back. Uh, all of our stress coaches have done it, been married to it, raised by it, or given birth to it. <laughs> and all you got to do is reach out. And that 24-hour number that we will not have your number if you call us and hit extension 1 is 855-889-2348. Hit extension 1. That number pops up on my phone. If I'm tied up, it goes to David Cohen in Alabama goes from David to Tom. You're going to get somebody. If you hit our individual extensions, you may get our voicemail. Um, The best way, if you want to talk to me, my cell number is 334-324-3570. Text me during the daytime. Uh, Call at night. The ears aren't quite as fine-tuned as they used to be in my younger days. That's from hanging out on the range with y'all shooting guns. That's what it is. Okay. Um, yeah, right, I'll, I'll sure. That. Yeah. <laughs> and yours, sir? And if you want to talk to me, you can reach me on my cell phone at 
6574. And he's retired, so you can just call him. You ain't yeah, got to text anytime. him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start forwarding my phone to him, actually. I'm just on Susan time now. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Lord. I know. Yeah. Um, but please do reach out to us. And again, Brady, we can't thank you enough for all you do for Under the Shield and all of our people. You are a godsend. Mm-hmm. Well, well, thank you for the opportunity to do this work because well, it means a great deal to me. Well, and we know it and everybody realizes it. And that is, like I said, it's a godsend. Maybe there's somebody else out there that you'll never fit Brady Wilson's shoes, but we'll let you try um, that we do need more licensed people around the country right. that will step up and say, we want to do it. We want to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And we, not just cause you've been a cop, cause we found that hasn't worked really well either when they get their licensing, um, in the mental health field. Uh, but reach out to us. We'd be happy to do any trainings, whatever that you need, but let's start to be more proactive than reactive mm-hmm. in training all of our first responders. Yeah. So, Brady, we hope you'll come back. I will. Absolutely. Terrific. <laughs> we'll update you on how Hertz and uh, Thrifty and Dollar are doing <laughs> with that little claim to my insurance yeah. company because it probably ain't going to go very well. Um, but we appreciate you. Thank you for the sacrifices you make, especially the families. Please recognize your families make huge sacrifices in this. And uh, God bless you. God bless your families in this great nation that we live in. Stay tuned. Come back. Uh, we will. Our next one will be Tom. Who's our next I, one? I don't know. Well, okay. It's That's another my mystery. Wife's job. It's not mine. Uh, another mystery guest. Um, Something I can actually blame on my wife. And if there are topics that you want to hear, we'll get people in here. Yeah. Uh, let us know what those topics are that you're interested in. Exactly. We'll find somebody. If not, Tom will pretend to be that person. Okay. <laughs> Yep. Yep. <laughs> Stay safe out there. Take care and come back to visit us again. Have a good day.